Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with a promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. This is the Inside Carolina podcast presented by Jersey Mike's of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. You got to do that by going to jerseymikes.com front slash order. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Ross Martin, and we've got a special guest, Dewey Burke. And if Dewey's here, we're talking something about basketball. Dewey, first, welcome to the show. It's been a while. How you been doing, man? I'm well. Thanks for asking. Just got back from a wonderful weekend in Chapel Hill and also doing my first pod with Ross. So looking forward to it. Yeah, can't wait to to talk some Carolina family basketball after a really cool weekend in Chapel Hill. Should be a fun show. Let's get right to it. Do we talk a little bit about the lead up to it and then what you did, uh, what's your part, uh, just sort of overall for the weekend, and then we'll get down into the nuts and bolts. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it was a spectacular time, really special. And my groups, I, you know, my friends, guys I played with and have stayed close with, we all decided to come in a day early. We went in Wednesday so that we could play golf on Thursday, which uh, was really fun. And, and we ended up making it the first annual Hansbro Invitational because Tyler joined a club down in Chapel Hill and he's been playing a lot more golf and he's got the bug a little bit, which is really fun for me as an avid golfer uh, to get random texts at 11 p.m. about what sand wedge I play with from the big guy. So um he's really gotten into golf so he wanted to host us at his club and we did that on Thursday and I can tell you about that and uh, and then the actual event itself uh, itself excuse me started on Friday with the the Carolina basketball golf outing and then the gala that night the Smith Center where they unveiled the floor uh which was just spectacular and emotional and uh really really special and then Saturday morning the the guys played pickup and then there was the event for the families uh, on on Saturday night. So it was just uh, first class all the way as we tend to do things. And Hoots and Sean, May, and the, the girls in the office crushed it. It just, they did such a great job. And it's cool when you're as close to someone like Hoots and Sean as I am, as we are, to understand behind the scenes all that went into it and how hard they worked to to get this done. So we'll get into it, but that's kind of a summary of the uh, of the events. Let's get into this golf thing a little bit because Ross and I had Bobby Frazier on this podcast a month, month and a half ago maybe, and he talked about catching that bug, and I asked him the question that you told me to ask him, and he thought that was funny. But I saw some updates. I think Sean May may have been throwing some stuff up on IG about the scores, and there was a time that your team was not leading. And uh, tell us about how that golf day went down on Thursday. I will. Yeah. So we had, we had 12 players 
six teams. I may not get exactly right, but so Coach Haas, who obviously played and worked for Coach Williams, is now the head coach at Stanford, was back, and he played with uh, with Coach Williams. Bobby and Wes Miller played together, myself and Tyler. Uh, I think Preston Puckett, who was our manager when we played, played with Sean. Uh, Anton Jameson played with a friend, a uh, guy from Franklin Street Partners. And then Hoots played with a friend of Coach Williams, uh, a guy named Trevor. I think that's – did I give six groups? I think that's everybody. I would just play the best ball with handicaps, and so I I was not getting any strokes. So everybody played off of my off of my scratch, which makes it tough. But I was with Tyler, and that was uh, that was great. And you're right, we started slow. We uh, we didn't make many birdies on the front nine, but uh, we got it going on the back. And I uh, I shot three under on the back, which was good. And uh, we ended up tying Coach Williams and Coach Hass uh, for first in the tournament, so that was good. We. Uh, we came back late, and the big guy was very focused. He was into it and uh, extremely enthusiastic when he hit a good shot and just crushed when he hit a bad shot. So just as dialed in, we were joking that he hadn't been that focused since 2009. Uh, so it was really fun. We had a great group, and we played with uh, with Hoots and Coach's friend Trevor, and the marquee matchup was Coach Williams and Coach Hass against Wes and Bobby. And, uh, and Coach Williams and, and Jared won on the 19th hole. It went extra holes and uh, pretty impressive. Coach Williams made a birdie on the extra hole and he was getting a stroke. So it was a three for two. So Bobby and Wes lost to a net eagle by Coach Williams to, to lose their match. So that was, uh, that was pretty fun. Hey Dewey, so out of those out of those players, I guess the I mean obviously the most maybe famous names there, Hansborough, Sean May, and Antoine Jameson. Can you kind of give us a breakdown of, of those three players' golf games? Um, I know those three guys have their jerseys and their rafters. So what would you take away from those three games briefly? Sure. Yeah. So I, I played with Tyler a lot and he's really gotten a lot better. And as you might expect, he swings as hard as you could <laughs> possibly swing. And when he connects, I've never seen a golf ball go like it goes. It mu- it's the only thing I can equate it to is when I've watched Rory McIlroy hit balls on the range at tournaments I've gone to with the the height and the power and the force with which he hits it. I mean, he hit a couple drives, 330. Uh, he hit one one six iron, 240 yards. I mean, it just it's like a different whole level that he can play at when he connects with the ball. And, you know, he's got work on his short game and his putting and everything like that. But he really enjoys it. He's competitive and he's really gotten a lot better. Anton, I have never played with. I saw him hitting balls and was giving him a really hard time about his swing because it just was not nearly as athletic as he is. Um, and Sean actually got the bug a while ago and was playing a lot. But now he's got three daughters. So it's a little tough for him to get out and play. But he also hits it a long way. He puts that puts that frame behind it and can put it out there. But uh, amongst the three of them, I would say Tyler has the most talent. I mean, he just – he crushes the ball. It's like nothing I've ever seen. Little John Daly grip it and rip it. He does, man. He swings – I mean, his swing <laughs> speed must be 135 miles an hour. I mean, he swings it – it just – the sound it makes is just incredible, and he hits it so hard and so high. He doesn't always know where it's going, but uh, he really goes after it. So it was fun. We We really had a great time, and just like you said, I mean – being a group of 12 and in that group is coach Williams, Tyler and Anton whose jerseys are retired and Sean who his, his Jersey could be retired, uh, but it isn't, but with what he's done uh, just a pretty special way to start the weekend. 
Is Tyler still living in Chapel Hill and then going to play maybe in China or wherever he gets the next deal? Is that kind of what he's doing? Yeah, working I think that's and, the plan. You know, he's working out and, and taking care of his body. And I think uh, he, he had a good experience in China. So we'll see. He's, he's evaluating what offers are, are out there and taking his time. And I, I would imagine that's what he does. Is I don't think he's ready to hang it up. Uh, he's still got a lot of basketball left in him, I think. And I would, I would suspect he ends up back in China. So a couple questions about this golf before we move deeper into the program and to the weekend. Uh, you said Coach Williams won on the ninth hole. Getting a stroke for a net two, could he have lost? Could could that have happened? Could Coach Williams have lost to you guys or anybody out there on Thursday for this weekend getaway? I mean, it's, was that even possible? You know, it. Uh, he had some good mojo going. I know he got frustrated at, at – one point in the round, Bobby was texting me that he was getting under coach's skin, which I doubt. But uh, you know, it was uh, look, it was it was a, it was his weekend. Even though he tried to to make it not about him, it was you know in in some part a lot about him. And what I thought was really cool was that we were able to spend that quality and intimate time with him in advance of what was a crazy and hectic weekend. And I think he enjoyed it too. You know, it was just the chance for him to be just surrounded by close friends and, and players. Not that the whole weekend wasn't that, but it was on a small scale. You know, after we finished, we're sitting out on the patio and, uh, and, and having drinks and, and eating appetizers and just shooting it with Coach Williams. And he's, you know, when he got his money from Bobby, he told a story about when he won money from Bobby Knight and when he played golf with all these other coaches. And he was telling stories about John Wooden and yeah, you, you don't get to spend that kind of quality time with him very often. He's so busy. So it was really a cool way to start it. And I think for him, too, to spend time uh, just in a comfortable place and, and with his players and and with guys that uh, that obviously he, he's gone to battle with in a social setting was uh, was a great way to start. Hey, Tommy, do you ever need a quick, easy, delicious lunch? Uh, daily Ross daily. You ever need a, a quick, easy tailgate option for your friends and family coming in for a UNC game? Um, at least six, six or seven times a year. Absolutely. Man, I have a place you can go. Jersey Mike subs of Chapel Hill is your place to go for a quick sandwich for lunch, dinner, or an easy and efficient tailgating option. Inside Carolina's partnered with Charlie Clint and Griff, the guys at Jersey Mike subs of Chapel Hill. And local residents who are UNC fans, they want to give the IC Podcast listeners a deal for Jersey Mike subs. Right now, Jersey Mike is offering IC Podcast listeners 15% off their order with the code HEELS15 as an online promotion only. Think about this. You're coming in Chapel Hill for a game. You have some family members with you. You have some friends. And you need some food that's fast and good. You can place your order online. Stop at any of the four local Jersey Mike's locations and get your subs fast. Go to jerseymikes.com backslash order. It will show all the locations near you. Just click order, pick your favorite sub, and at checkout, enter HEELS15. That's H-E-E-L-S-1-5 and get 15% off your order. I love the number 13 original Italian with the number 56 Big Kahuna Cheese Steak. I'm hearing great things about the number 44 Buffalo Chicken Cheese sub. They have everything at Jersey Mike's. Skip the line. Head straight to the register. Grab your food and you're on your way. Do it today. Again, this is an online promotion only. Enter Heels 15 
online and pick up your Jersey Mike sub. There's four locations on Elliott Road, off MLK, right off I-40, at Falcon Ridge Shopping Center, right off 54, right off I-40, and then one in Hillsborough, off exit 261. This is, there's no denying that Jersey Mike subs is so delicious, so take advantage of the deal and support the IC podcast. So, Dewey, you were there on Friday as well, back to the basketball talk. Um, what was what was one thing that maybe stood out that you weren't expecting from what happened on Friday? Did you play golf as well? I did, yeah. On- so we had the uh, yeah Friday morning had the Carolina basketball golf outing. That was okay. the official kickoff to the event, and they sent everybody out in foursomes, just kind of a typical scramble type event. And uh, some of Coach Williams' friends won it. Kevin O'Connor uh, obviously works for the Jazz. Uh, Bill Puckett, who's a longtime friend of Coach Williams and a couple other guys, they uh, they shot a 56 in the scramble, which is outrageous. What uh, course were they on? We were at Finley. Um, wow. They got to play from the senior tees. Oh. So let's just put that. Let's just put that out there. Uh, Nobody was playing from the Davis Love tees, were they? No, no. So, but uh, and I was with Bobby and Tyler and Preston in that group. So we had a great time. It was fun and seeing other guys on holes and watching people uh, take swings. I know the videos were out there of Mactar and, yeah. and yeah. David. They like were Char- the group, yeah, they were in the group behind us. And they look like Barkley, like you said. Um, they were in the group behind us. So whenever we, whenever we got held up and we had to wait, we just drove back so we could just watch them try and hit shots. Uh, yeah, but it was I, great. I would recommend going back and watching some of uh, David Noel's face uh, Instagram lives, Instagram videos. They're hilarious. So from that golf tournament or kind of into the, the Friday evening festivities, what was maybe one thing that, that stood out or maybe a player that you had never met that you had a conversation with or what can you give us a little insight maybe from your perspective of something that you know you took away from that day and that evening that that you'll obviously always remember from the from the weekend sure yeah i i can't say there was one person or player that i met that i had never met and it's when we got to the smith center it was funny everybody arrived and they wanted us to kind of walk in and they had this cool uh photo not booth, but this photo area set up with a great backdrop of the NC and the Jordan logo and everything. And everybody was so excited to see everybody. They couldn't get anybody to go inside. Everybody was outside, like in the parking lot, just saying hi and conversing and anyways. But when we made our way in, it was a, it was a whirlwind just because you were, you kept seeing another guy. Like every time you turned, there was another guy that you were so excited to see. And then there was another guy. And then there was a guy who you'd never met his wife and, so it was it was crazy. Like none of us even ate any food. We forgot to eat because you're just you're saying hi to everybody and taking pictures, and then you turn around and you know there's Lenny Rosenbluth, and then there's Charlie Scott, and there's Scott Williams, both Scott Williams, and there's Anton, and there's guys you saw on the golf course, and and then there's pictures with the guys you played with, and then there's two managers that you, that worked when you were there, and and they're married, and you're talking about them and their kids. I mean, it just it, it was like you would expect it would be at a real family reunion. I mean, that's what's crazy about it. Is that's how it feels. It feels like you're with your cousins and aunts and uncles, uh, which is incredible. Um, so no one player, uh, once we finally all sat down and the actual event started, and I'm sure there's been video of the speeches, uh, I thought I thought Bubba did a great job and the chancellor and, and the gentleman from the board of trustees but the best part was when Hubert spoke and Marvin spoke. Um, and actually, now, Ross, now that I think about it, I think the, 
I think outside of the, what Coach Williams talked about, and he's a great speaker and I love listening to him, I thought the coolest fact that came out of those speeches that kind of speaks to what the weekend was about was when Marvin was talking and, and talking about what the Carolina family means to me. And he made the point that he and his fiance, they have a four-year-old daughter and the godparents of their daughter are Dion Thompson and his wife, Amber. Marvin and Dion never played together. Think about that for a second. They were never teammates. They're two years apart. Marv was done in 05. Dion didn't come, right, until two years later. But because of the summertime as a Carolina basketball player and when Dion was in school and Marvin was coming back and getting his degree and working out with us and playing pickup with us and taking us out to dinner, they got so close that Dion is the godfather of Marvin's only child. And that, to me, like it gave me goosebumps then when he said it, and it gives, him, gives me them now. Because to think that the bond you could create with a guy you never even played with, never did conditioning with, never practiced with, never went to battle with in, in the ACC or in the tournament or anything, that you could become so close with that person, that, that other member of the Carolina family, that you would have them be the godfather of your child. I think that speaks to what the weekend was about maybe more than anything uh, that was incredible to me wow man that's that's deep there as a as I'm a parent even, i'm not even the godfather of my brother's first kid <laughs> got I'm not a, by a, i got passed by a neighbor <laughs> i am the godfather of the of the second kid though you, you can't make it up well they they had to have some sense they they figured it out the second time around Ross. Right. so right. but that that's deep dewey and when I saw Hubert talking and and thinking about Marvin and Hubert, uh, you couldn't have, I mean, you've got Hubert who was Carolina born and bred from the beginning, always wanted to be there. I think the quote from coach Smith is um, you can come here, but don't expect to play a lot. And then you've got Marvin Williams, a guy from all the way across the country uh, that uh, whose mother, I believe said, when she met Coach Williams, she knew that's where she wanted her son to play. I mean, but from way over in Washington to Hubert, just to have those two guys, just speak on that just a little bit, the difference, yet the similarities there um, with those two guys speaking in honor of Coach Williams. Yeah, I think I think that's right. And it was interesting to hear them talk in their own way about Carolina and and obviously Huber talked some about Coach Smith and he talked about his uncle and and then Marvin talked some about his recruiting and like you said he when Coach Williams came for the first time Marvin walked him out and, and this is what Coach was talking about or excuse me Marvin was talking about Marvin walked him out he came back in his mom was crying he said mom what's wrong and she said that's who you have to play for I know it and that Coach could have that impact on someone is not surprising to me. Uh, but maybe from the outside, uh, it's it's not as clear. But that he could sit in the room in a in a recruiting pitch dinner, as he's done thousands of times, and bring someone's mom to tears that she knew that's who her son needed to go play for, even though it was across the country, is amazing. And it was also it was really cool to hear Coach Williams then get up and speak to the crowd or to the group about Hubert and about Marvin. And when he talked about Hubert, 
he said it and he he actually said i can't look i can't even look at you because i'm going to get emotional that's how that's how strongly he feels about about Hubert. but he said Hubert, i can say with conviction that you are the nicest person i have ever known and what's amazing about that is i have said that to my wife i said to my wife Hubert davis is the nicest person i've ever met in my entire life i've never met a kinder happier person than him uh, and then to hear Coach Williams echo that was not a surprise. I think everybody everybody who's known Hubert feels that way. Um, and then when Coach talked about Marvin, he said that Marvin is the most gracious player he's ever coached uh, and the most thankful and appreciative person that he's maybe ever been around. Think about that. Think about what Marvin's life has been, right? He's been highly touted, number two pick in the draft. He's made, I don't know what it is, $80 million in his life and all the stuff you see on social media and the way athletes act sometimes and blah, blah, blah. And coach Williams is almost 70 years old. And he said, Marvin Williams might be the most gracious and appreciative person he has ever known. Uh, it was incredible. I mean, they just, they nailed it. Hoots and, and Sean nailed it with who they chose to speak uh, in advance of coach Williams with those two guys. And uh, it just, it was great. Goosebumps the whole time, emotional, and uh, and really, really cool. Dewey, I mean, we know that Marvin has been a, a big part of the Carolina family since he left UNC and obviously came back every summer and has gotten his degree since leaving after that first year. What is Marvin kind of like as a person? I never covered him. He's actually my year at Carolina. I had uh, his, we were both freshmen together. What's he like as a person, personality-wise, you know, just hanging with the guys and stuff? Because I, I don't know. I've covered Carolina basketball now and been watching it most of my life. I don't really know what his personality is like. Can you shed some insight on that? Yeah, sure. Great, great question. Um, very happy person. Very uh, bubbly is a weird word to use, but very enthusiastic. Like, I, you know, I never played with Marvin either. And except for, you know, in the summers playing pickup and everything. And when I see him, it's like I'm seeing someone I played with for four years, right? I mean, he just gives every gives me a big bear hug, asks me how my wife is by name. Actually, his fiance and my wife ran track together at Carolina, or his wife was a high jumper, or his wife-to-be was a high jumper, and my wife ran track, and so they were teammates. So we connect on that level. Um, he asks me how my daughter's doing. You know, he's, uh, he's pretty impressive, to be honest. He just, uh, you know, even something so simple as the way he spoke so eloquently clearly showed that this was someone that had worked through getting his degree at Carolina. This was a college educated adult, not a guy that went to school for, you know, four months and then was a one and done and never looked back and never learned anything from an educational perspective. I mean, he's polished, he's smart, he's very enthusiastic, like I said, and I, he may love Carolina more than anybody I know. I mean, his loyalty to the place and how he feels about Coach Williams is it's why he was chosen to speak. It, it all makes sense. Um, but he's he's humble. He has no ego whatsoever when he probably could, given what he's done. Um, amazing. He's a great guy. He's I mean, he's he's great. Every time he comes to Denver, I go and see him play and I wait and I see him after. And again, I didn't play with him. And every time he comes, I, I make sure that I go to the game and see him. Uh, so it tells you how I feel about him. 
my uh, my one memory of Marvin Williams, other than of course the national championship two thousand five, was we were always in the same Tuesday Thursday breakfast buffet line, uh, the omelet line at uh, Lenore Dining Hall, and he got two bacon ham and turkey omelets with no cheese, and I was just kind of like behind him getting the same thing except all the vegetables and cheese. That's my one Marvin Williams memory. But <laughs> here we go. Uh, have you guys ever wanted to go to a road UNC football or basketball game? Well, now is your chance with Heels Travel. They've partnered with Inside Carolina to provide a simple and easy way to travel to UNC away games. Chuck Joyce, the president of Heels Travel, is a Greensboro native, a diehard Carolina fan. And he wanted to find a better way, a better and easier way for Tar Heel fans to travel to away games. So right now, Heels Travel is selling packages to get you to East Carolina on September 8th. That's coming up right around the corner. And the Virginia game on October 27th. Both games and both trips are bus trips from Chapel Hill to Greenville on September 8th and to Charlottesville on October 27th. They get you back that night safely when the game is over. Make the process easy. Ride with other diehard UNC fans and don't have to worry about parking or having to drive. Visit HeelsTravel.com right now or call 336-855-0060 to book. And right now, Heels Travel is selling packages for UNC's trip to Las Vegas over Thanksgiving weekend. Nothing sounds better than two games of UNC basketball and everything else that has uh, that Vegas has to offer. I know Tommy knows what I'm talking about there. So go see UNC play two games in the, in the desert. With HeelsTravel.com, the package includes airfare from RDU, round-trip transportation from the airport to the hotel, and three nights in the Aria Resort and Casino. HeelsTravel.com or call 336-855-0060 to book. Back to you, Tommy. Yeah, that trip to Vegas, uh, we've talked about it before, Ross. That would be quite trouble. Might have to make it happen. HeelsTravel.com, setting it up, doing everything for you. Make it too easy to go to Vegas, and we know what happens in Vegas. Uh, Vegas. Let's let's, uh, let's talk about what the reunion turned into, um, because we talked off air. It was a a planned reunion that you guys get together often, uh, but it spun into honoring Coach Williams and naming the court. Speak to that, uh, what that means to you as a former player uh, for Coach Williams, And your thoughts on that overall, I think it's something that was well overdue, but it got done and now it's a reality. Just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So like you said, it was the reunion was planned and and being planned without this having anything to do with it. And I think especially not that I would ever miss it, but especially for me as somebody who played for Coach Williams as a walk on and how he treated me and took care of me, it was something I would never miss. And I was incredibly excited when they made that call. Tommy, I've done a lot of podcasts with you and I've been pretty outspoken, uh, especially in advance of the third championship that coach never got his due. He's a much better coach than he ever got credit for. And it, it feels like finally, since we won it in 17, that he, he has, that he's been given the credit. He's not just a great recruiter. And he's not just good at coaching elite talent uh, because the 17-1 felt different for people, I guess, uh, because he didn't have, you know, eight McDonald's All-Americans. He had a couple less than that. I don't know. But anyway, we've talked about that a lot. So 
for for me, uh, it was just another step in the validation process of how good he really is and how great he really is. And I wasn't around. I wasn't a Carolina guy yet when eight and 20 happened and those, those couple years of difficulty, I just hope that fans don't have a short memory. I hope they remember where we were and where we are now and what he's done in his 15 years, the number of ACC championships, the number of final fours, three banners, the, the type of player he's been able to bring and what those guys have done in the Jersey and after, um, so just another, for me, another step of validation in making sure that everybody's aware how fortunate we are to have him, uh, how much he loves Carolina, how much Coach Smith means to him, carrying on Coach Smith's legacy. You know, the most choked up he got when he spoke was when he was trying to talk about Coach Smith and hoping that he was making Coach Smith and Coach Guthridge and, and Eddie Fogler proud. That's what mattered the most to him um, and always has. And so uh, it just um, feels, it just feels good. It just feels good. It feels right. And it was something that they had to talk him into, which makes sense given who he is. And uh, it's just a lot of pride also in, in that I could have the smallest of small parts of what he's done. Um, very well deserved and and really cool just all you know i I keep reaching for adjectives but uh (laughs) it's one of those things you know when you get to sit there with your wife and think about what it's meant to me to us our daughter named caroline all you know just the way it weaves itself into our entire life is pretty special and i have him to thank for that a lot of us have him to thank for that and uh it was pretty cool it's just uh just really happy for him Dewey, was Friday only former players and former staff, or was fam- were families there as well Friday night? Spouses were invited, no kids uh, for the most okay. part. So it was, it was more intimate on Friday night. I think we had about okay. 300 players. And, uh, and, then, and then, like you said, staff and spouses. I don't know what the total count was. But uh, like I was saying before, everywhere you turned, it was another familiar face, somebody you met while you were there or just after or at the last reunion. You know, King Rice and Jimmy Black, uh, Lenny Rosenbluth, like I said, um, just uh, just incredible. And I and I, and I want to speak about and we'll get to it after the event where they unveiled the court uh, when we went, you know, we went out in Chapel Hill. Just I want to I want to speak about that, too, uh, once we get to it. But, uh, yeah, really, uh, really cool. Yeah, and so briefly, I think it'd be cool to kind of talk about what we actually thought about how the court kind of looked. I know, I mean, Tommy and I can both speak on our opinions, but I thought they did a great job with the design. You know, I didn't really have an idea of what they would do. You look at what Duke did with the Coach K court, but I thought it was super classy the way they, the, the signature, the colors they use, the simplicity, the classiness of it. I thought it was, I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't think of any other better way to do it. I don't know if Tommy. Or you do you have any thoughts on kind of what you initially thought when you saw that that design that will be on the court for I mean I guess the the rest of UNC basketball history? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was it's really understated. And Tommy, I'll let you go. Yeah, it was really understated, like you said, classy. Used coach's signature and and um, 
I loved what they did. They got the Arca- Argyle in there. And obviously I was able to be down on the court and, you know, stand right, right by it and get a good look at it. And uh, like you said, classy, understated and, and uh, as small coach Williams wanted it as small as it could possibly be. And that's what they, that's what they did to make sure it still showed up on TV. So. Yeah. I mean, I I think Dewey, you talked about this already. They nailed the entire weekend putting it together. Um, I don't know who's directly responsible for the design of it, but I felt like it had to have Coach Williams' signature because that's sort of a, you know, especially for Carolina fans, Carolina followers, it's gotten to be where it's an iconic signature. And throwing the Argyle in there, I, I think it was perfect. I wonder what he feels standing there and seeing his own name on the court i mean I, know, I, I don't know if that's an awkward feeling or or what do we did he say did he share thoughts about that you know uh he really didn't he, he focused mostly when he talked about i didn't really get a chance to talk to him after that because it was crazy you know we, i spent a lot of time with him previous as we talked about um and he didn't really he just was just being thankful you know and he he really weaved a lot of his speech through his own life talking about some of the players he coached when he was a high school coach and his own high school coach, Buddy Baldwin, who he talked about a lot and coach Smith and, and the things he did early on as an assistant and working with coach Guthridge and Eddie Fogler and then anecdotal stories about other people that were there and thanking them and thanking coach Smith's family that was there. And it's just, he made his speech as much not about him as he could, as you would expect. So he didn't really get into how he felt directly about that. He just talked more about, what he's tried to do his whole career, which is make Coach Smith proud, even when he was at Kansas. And he talked about the day before he left to go take the, the job at Kansas. And he said to Coach Smith, this is, this is your alma mater. Are you sure you want, you sure you think this is a good idea? You, you sure you think I should do this? And some insight into an ever confident and competitive person had self-doubt, right? He'd, he'd, he'd never been a college head coach and he was leaning on Coach Smith as much then as ever and saying, are you sure this is – I'm the right guy? And and obviously he was. Obviously he was incredibly successful there. So just really cool insight. And uh, But as you'd expect, Coach Smith was woven into almost every piece of it. And and uh, Coach got choked up several times just talking about how he was hoping Coach Smith was proud that he had done well in stewarding our program. That's pretty neat. I think I saw – I think Theo may have had something on one of the social medias and had like a court that had every player's name on it. Um, I don't know if it's a graphic or something that's up in the Smith Center now. Just pretty cool how they've how they've done it. Sounds like a great uh, weekend. We're going to talk a little bit more because you you referenced the night the the party after or the after party. So we want to hear all about that. And Ross and I are definitely going to pick your brain a little bit about some of the pickup games that went on. Later in the weekend, I'm going to go to commercial break. We'll come back and we'll do that. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See reno.ie. Dewey, the after party, you referenced it earlier. 
Um, and so you, you piqued my interest there. So tell us a little bit about what went down um, after the official unveiling um, at the after party. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So after we, after coach finished speaking and then all the players went down on the court to take a photo, which was really cool and uh, mingled and talked and spent time and visited. We eventually all got made our way up to, to Franklin Street to to a place where we had kind of pre-organized we were going to go. And, uh, and that was really special just because we've all been together in, you know, more formal settings at the Smith Center, at, at different reunions, at Coach Smith's service, but never really in a purely social, you know, later in the evening uh, event. And, and I, don't, I don't mean to say that uh to imply that oh there was all this crazy drinking going on it wasn't that it just was it was purely a social comfortable event and you could look around and i could see theo right from the class of 2018 and a 17 national champion he's the youngest guy there all the way up to you know Adam Ola is there and Anton's there and guys from the nineties, right? So you, you've got 20, almost 25 year spread of guys all in the same bar, all with their wives there, just having a great time, telling stories, having a drink, eating pizza. And, you know, inevitably debates started happening on which championship championship team was better and which was the best team that didn't win a championship. And, back and forth and guys are playing pool and betting and, and it just, it was incredible, you know, just to, just to watch that transpire. And a couple of times when I, you know, went up to get my wife a drink and just kind of looked over my shoulder and looked back at what I was witnessing. I'm, I'm looking at Tyler talking to Marvin, talking to Kendall about whose teams were better. Those guys never played together. And I'm watching Anton talk to Bobby Frazier and talk with Theo about whose team was better. And those guys never played together and they didn't even have the same coach. Right. And so that's, that's what it was. Right. And just giving each other a hard time. And, and, Oh, remember when I dunked on you and pick up that time and all those kinds of things. And it, uh, it just was crazy cool. And there's no other way to put that. And in the annals of college basketball, all in one room in one back corner by the pool table, some of the guys that were the best to ever do it at the college level. You talk about Sean and you talk about Kendall who won the koozie and you talk about Tyler, you talk about Danny green, you talk about Dion who was there, who's got a championship ring. And it just, it was crazy. It was so cool. And as one of those nights you wish would never end. So Dewey, you kind of, we talked off air about a little bit of your insight from the pickup games. I know you weren't there, but I'm sure you heard a lot about the pickup games. A lot of the older guys played uh, Rashid Wallace, unsurprisingly was there getting some action um can you guys talk about can you talk us through you know the insight from pickup games maybe some matchups you heard about and some insight into the current players uh on this upcoming team and maybe the freshmen that you think are going to stand out yeah you know as is always customary pickup games at carolina the older guys typically win more of the games just because you know nba players are it's just it's a different level that they play at and it can be difficult when the teams aren't evenly matched like they are on a regular summer day in july when you when you're playing old heads versus current team 
uh, it's pretty, it's pretty tough to beat those older guys. Um, so from what I understand, uh, a group of NBA guys had a good run. And also, by the way, sometimes when those guys lose, they just say, no, I'm staying. And then, and you say, well, you lost. And, they, and then they point up to the rafters and you say, oh yeah. So, um, even if they lose, sometimes they just stay on. Um, but, uh, so I heard those guys did well. Rashid had a team that was doing well. Uh, I would tell you the biggest takeaway that I heard is how excited the staff is about Kobe. It sounds like, you know, little is as advertised that, you know, he's the most talented kid on the team and he's an incredible worker. And, but they knew that they knew how good he was and not that they didn't know how good Kobe was, but he's even better, I think, than they thought. And just the, the several practices they had in the Bahamas and the workouts and everything, uh, they're really, really excited about him, um, which is great to hear. You know, it's exciting. It's obviously the most important position in our system. And uh, they're fired up with what they've seen. So it's still early. He's got to get through conditioning and stay healthy and get stronger like all freshmen do. But uh, that was, that's probably the biggest thing is Kobe White. They, uh, they're very, very pumped about what he's going to bring. To follow here, Dewey, you think? Uh, I mean, you think Kobe starts at point guard from day one, or I mean, do you, when do you think that that happens? If if it does happen, what's kind of your perspective there? Not to completely change the subject into the 2018-19 season, but no, you, that's fine. You, you know, it's that? it's interesting. You know, coach is always loyal to the incumbent. You know, when yep. Ty Lawson came in as arguably the number one player in the country, or damn near, uh, it was Bobby's job, and the only reason Bobby didn't keep it is because he got hurt. You know. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. I don't, I don't know that because the year before, right, he handed the keys to Bob right from the jump after Raymond left. Uh, so it's just gonna, it's gonna depend on practice and performance and everything like that. You know, it's there, there was not an incumbent starter. Obviously, Joel was the guy, and so I would think that position's up for grabs. And my guess would be that he probably does start based on what I'm, what I'm hearing and his ability, but. If seven starts and they bring Kobe off just to get his his feet wet and get get a feel early, that would be okay too. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for for Kobe to not start until game six, seven, or eight. But I my my sense is that he he's going to be your starting point guard at, at some point. Dewey, let me ask you sort of a general question. I know that discussion about Kobe and Little will get folks fired up, but. As far as, you know, the family coming back and playing with the younger guys or the current guys, um, you know, you've been a part of those games. You were part of them when you were at Carolina as a player, a current player back when you were there. Just talk a little bit about, um, you know, I don't want to sound too sappy, but how important that is and what that does for the current group. Because there's not a whole lot of teams that have that. I know a lot of teams want to talk about that and maybe they have former players but I mean you see it in Chapel Hill you see some uh, local teams have their players come to Chapel Hill to play in those games just speak what that does as far as helping the current crop since Ross brought up 18-19 team how does that better prepare them for what they might see or what they will see in the ACC well I think you know Coach Smith used to always talk about the greatest jump that most players make is between their freshman and sophomore year and I think the, the reasoning behind that is, is a couple of things. One, you, you've had a year. You've done it. You've been on the road. You know what it feels like. You know what the physicality and the speed of the game is like. And then after a couple of weeks off, you know, basically mid-April, you're going to work. Uh, 
so that's part of it. But the other part of it is what happens in the summer. And that's because you get to play against pros every day for two months, two and a half months. And you just can't replicate that. You know, I, I know there are NBA groups that, you know, guys that play in LA and play in Vegas and play in Chicago in the summer where it's exclusively NBA guys. Those games are better. But outside of that, there is no better pickup game in the summer than in Chapel Hill. And I mean, especially when I played. Yeah. I mean, I would look out sometimes on the court and there'd be 15, 18 NBA players out there, not including the guys that were on the team that became NBA players. So you just can't replicate that. And, you know, to play when I was there and I was guarding Raymond Felton in pickup games, a starting NBA point guard at that time. And he's throwing the ball in the post to Sean May, a starting NBA power forward. And Marvin Williams, a starting NBA small forward. And then, you know, sometimes Vince was there. Uh, and sometimes Stack was there uh, when I played. And then I'm playing with Danny Green and Wayne Ellington and Tyler and Brandon Wright, all NBA lottery picks, right? So it's ridiculous. Um, so for the, the current team to play against that level, you can't replicate it, right? You can't replicate it in your own inner squad stuff because not everybody's a pro. Not everybody's going to be a pro. And so it's it's not only the the talent level that you're exposing yourself to and you just have to raise your level because if you're not good enough, you just won't you, they won't let you play. And that's a fact. I mean, I, I've seen it. I was fortunate enough that didn't happen to me very often. Sometimes it did. But some guys, they just didn't let you play because you weren't good enough. You weren't competitive enough. So it, it just raises your level. Um, so it's that. And then in between games, after games, right? So if you're a post player and you're working on something, Sheed may pull you aside and say, hey, let's let's work on this. And you you spend 15 minutes one-on-one -on -one with Rasheed Wallace, an NBA champion who spent however many years in the league. Uh, and then, you know, Adam Lucas's article talked about how Kobe was sitting there talking with Jeff McGinnis and Raymond about this or that, or, you know, how to make a move, how to make a post entry. You just, you can't replicate that. And so the knowledge that you can get and the way you have to raise your level to be competitive is why it's so valuable and so special. Good stuff. Uh, next time when we have you on before the season starts, we need you to grade our draft. We we did a podcast a couple a few weeks ago where we uh, had a fantasy, quote-unquote, fantasy draft of Roy Williams players. Ross was involved. Sherelle McMillan was involved. I need to send you those teams so you could grade it and you can come back and talk to us about it that'll be a fun show and get some more stories out of you from this past weekend and just in general but i appreciate you taking the time dewey i know you're busy but i appreciate you joining us today absolutely that was fun guys thank you it was a great weekend and really special for carolina basketball no doubt thanks a lot dewey thanks for listening to the inside carolina podcast presented by jersey mike subs of chapel hill Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now.